Welcome back to Takes by the Lake from Cleveland.com. I'm Doug Maurice. It's been months and months and months, but this required a podcast on the Browns. Uh, we're going to talk about the dismissals of John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, what Jimmy Haslam is doing next. Um, I thought I'd rather do this than radio shows where people who probably disagree with me are going to try to make me explain what I think. Um, and, and I think there is reason for i don't know if optimism is the right word i think there's a lot of confusing feelings in cleveland right now but i do want to put something out there for people to listen to you can read a couple things i've written on jimmy haslam and on john dorsey i want to put something out for people to listen to that's not um the haslam stink slightly more nuanced than uh would you fire a football guy um which i think is not the most uh productive analysis of the situation so as we go forward with the Browns, we'll look back a little bit, but as we go forward, and you can read me at cleveland.com slash OSU. No, <laughs> that's the Ohio State podcast. You can read my Brown stuff at cleveland.com slash Browns. Read all of the uh, stuff from Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Lobby, Ellis Williams, Scott Patsko, everybody who helps cover the Browns for us. I think I wrote six points down. I'm the guest. As we go forward, the thing that I think of why this could work as they evaluate hiring a coach and GM who will report to Jimmy Haslam on equal footing, is that I do think they've learned from the torturous, insane era of Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown, which was doomed for failure from the get-go, and which was, um, I think, incompetent ownership at its worst. Um, we are clearly at a point now, they've fired five coaches and five uh, personnel directors, GMs, whatever, team presidents. But they've only hired four because they inherited uh, Shermer and Heckert and they fired them. And, of course, you you fire the guys that you inherit. Um, and Jimmy Haslam admits now, he has admitted before, he admitted again Thursday, they didn't know what the frick they were doing for the first couple years owning the Browns and the first couple rounds of hires here. So it it doesn't let them off the hook for Joe Banner and and uh Rob Chudzinski and Mike Petton and Ray Farmer and all that but I don't know that that is any kind of benchmark for going forward because Jimmy Haslam said Thursday again repeating himself that process was awful they didn't know what they were doing if they had found the right people there it would have been absolutely dumb blind luck and football luck doesn't exist in Cleveland at the moment. So if our analysis of what's going to happen now with the Browns is based on Mike Pettin, Ray Farmer, Rob Chodzinski, Joe Banner, I think that's faulty logic because that was bad, but it was new. It was babies, backwards baby steps. The baby fell down the stairs, but now... The baby's in elementary school, and so we can't we can't just say, well, the third grader's going to fall down the stairs because third graders don't fall down the stairs as much as unsupervised babies do, and they were unsupervised babies. The baby survived, but the baby fell down the stairs, but let's not let our analysis be, well, they're going to fall down the stairs again, so... The worst of this was Hugh and Sashi hiring two guys on equal ground who hated each other, who looked at things in absolutely opposite ways, 
who one wanted to build a franchise one way, one was expecting to coach a franchise doing things another way, and it was doomed from the get-go. And when they eradicated themselves from the Sashi Brown, Hugh Jackson situation, and we're not going backwards, my feelings on that have been expressed, that I think was a low point to say, what are these owners doing? They are clueless. That was the third time around. And they blew it so hard you could not blow it any harder than they blew it. And so that was a time of just criticism. Because I think by the third time they should have had a better idea of how to do this than they did then. And Jimmy Haslam talked so much about alignment on Thursday. There was zero alignment there. But here's what I think right now, which is like my baseline thing of why I have... Again, I don't know that optimism is the right word, but it is not, all is not lost in my mind looking at the Haslams and the Browns going forward because they would not do that again. They would not hire a coach and a GM who are on such opposite, in opposite frames of mind, on opposite spectrums in terms of how they do things in the NFL. We would never get Sashi and Hugh again. And if they could go back in time, they wouldn't do it. If they could go back in time, they would either let Sashi Brown and Paul D. Podesta hire Sean McDermott, the Bills coach, as they wanted to. And who knows where the Browns would be if that happened. Or they would have paired Hugh Jackson with a more traditional GM. And Hugh Jackson and the GM could have worked together toward what they wanted to do. Maybe a John Dorsey type or somebody more like that. Maybe they wouldn't have torn it down and rebuilt to the extent they did, but they would have had a different plan and the plan would have made sense. So as long as you're better than Sashi and Hugh, that pairing, that's progress. And they are going to be better than that. They have to be because, my second point, who disagreed with the hiring of John Dorsey? Where are the people who were up in arms about the, 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 the hiring of John Dorsey. There's a guy on Twitter. There's one guy on Twitter who's been, who sends like long tweets and tags me and other media people in it sometimes. He makes some good points. He puts a lot of time into it. He didn't like Dorsey from the get-go. Fedor didn't like Dorsey from the get-go. I, was, I think I was more skeptical than, than many on Dorsey, but I, 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 didn't, I wasn't going to be like, hey, this guy who was the GM of the Wooding Chiefs, he stinks. I mean, what like what's the point in that? I I I I have come to sort of uh, my view of afar when I was just covering Ohio State and not really writing about the Browns at all, and now that I'm involved in writing about and covering the Browns has changed a little bit. In that, um, it is easy to just sit back and take shots, and if you're way outside and you're just like lobbing grenades from afar, that's one thing because you're not in the fight. You're like a drone, right? You're you're a drone up in the clouds just shooting down on people with no risk to yourself. You're just saying you're not involved in it. You're just you're just firing with no risk. Say boom, shot. Hey, I, I I took a shot. But when you're in it a little bit and you're in it with the fans and you're in it with the people. Just like random pot shots, like constant negative random pot shots. Same old Browns. I mean, I know people. There is a time when someone's analysis. I, I very want someone very specifically in mind whose analysis of the situation would be like some corny nickname for Jimmy Haslam, and just like writing about how they stink without any analysis of the situation at all. Like, what is the point of that? 
Why can't we expect? It's not about excusing the ownership. It's about giving fans and people who care about this team some actual thought and analysis about what might happen next. That's beyond same old Browns. And if you get burned, I don't regret anything about saying they'd be 12 and 4. Other than I wish for the fans they had gone 12 and 4. But there were valid reasons to think they could be good. And it didn't work. It's not excusing ownership. But if you're just going to go and pound your fists and act like it's, it's hopeless, then maybe don't, then maybe don't do, then maybe just get out of this. Because I think you guys deserve more than that. So who disagreed with John Dorsey? People love John, John Dorsey hiring. They loved the John Dorsey hiring. Other teams wanted him. He had done this before. He was a football guy. So if you like the hiring, I don't think, and if you disagree with this and you can go back, I don't think the Haslam's made a mistake hiring John Dorsey. So if they did not make a mistake hiring John Dorsey, then I don't put this on them. The process improved. They said, we're not going to have infighting. We're going to hire a GM. They let Hugh finish that season under Dorsey, and they let Hugh start the next season, trying to have some patience. And then they fired him halfway. And again, I don't know that... I mean, are there giant disagreements in how they handled Hugh? Some people thought he should have been fired after year two. He should not have started year three. Maybe some people thought he should have been able to finish year three. Everybody would agree by the end that he had to go. He was not the right guy. So then you had John Dorsey in place and you let him pick. And if you have complaints about, well, why is Paul D. Podesta here? He's in the corner offering advice and they're ignoring it. You had to let John Dorsey pick. You had to let John Dorsey build this team. We all begged him. Get out of the way. Haslam's. Let a football guy run the team and get out of the way. And they did and it didn't work. And is that on them? I don't think it's on them. I think it's John Dorsey's failures and it's Freddie Kitchen's failures. And Freddie Kitchen's failures to me are far less than John Dorsey's because Freddie Kitchen's had never done it before. Now, would I had and I had said this going through this process. I was very, very open. If it was abs- if they had said, Doug, what would you do? I think I would have brought Freddie Kitchens back. Because to me, if you hire him, what are you doing firing him after a year? What did you expect? He's never done this. John Dorsey has done it. This is not a learning curve on John Dorsey. So to me, firing John Dorsey or having John Dorsey leave or mutual parting or whatever you want to say, they said, you're not totally in charge anymore. And he said, well, then I'm going to leave. I don't think that's him leaving. They took his job away. That makes more sense to me than Freddie Kitchens. Because if Freddie Kitchens failed, and there's not an if there, there's six and ten. Freddie Kitchens failed. John Dorsey failed. Freddie Kitchens was new and failed. John Dorsey was experienced and failed. If you're getting rid of Freddie, it absolutely makes sense to get rid of John Dorsey. Because Freddie is John Dorsey. Now, if you had run this back exactly the same, we liked the idea. They brought in talent. We liked the cut of Freddie's jib. It didn't work out. Everybody's going to get better. I would be fine with that. I would have been fine with that. 
But if you're not going to do it, you got to get rid of both. And I don't think it is a mistake to say this doesn't do it. I don't think it's a mistake to start over now because I'm jumping ahead on my points. I didn't write them down in order because this is not a time for patience. The patience, time for patience was in the past and they didn't have it. The patience is for the build. The patience, the process is for starting from scratch. John Dorsey was handed this. John Dorsey was handed this. And what he was handed is better than what he will pass off because he was handed possibility and every person in the world wants to build their own thing. John Dorsey was given all the blocks and he built it. Now whoever comes in has to decide what blocks they want to keep, what what blocks should stay. They've got to keep Baker. They've got to keep Denzel Ward. They've got to keep J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio. They've got to keep. They've got to keep Greedy Williams. They've got to keep some of these guys because John Dorsey built it and it didn't work. And you can say they were six and ten. People say, "Well, why did you?" There was a, like an, an indignant question in the press conference. Why would you? Fight? They were six and ten. It's not fantasy football. It's not collect the best players. It's win. While they were building, it's about collecting talent because you got to get talent to win. But when the talent doesn't win, the talent is not more important. The winning is more important. And John Dorsey had failures in the process with the head coaching hire, with the way he put the team together, and especially with the way he paired them. With the way he paired this team veteran, high-priced, opinionated veterans, and a coach who had never done it. That was his choice, and it didn't work, and he had to answer for that. But you couldn't be, if you said, we can't be patient now. We've all said this a million times, the window on Baker Mayfield's contract. You can't wait. Every year is gold when you have a guy, a quarterback you think you can win with, who is on a rookie deal, is gold. So if in the past, if looking back, you said, boy, they're impatient, their lack of patience now at least makes sense because of the window. So I understand why we're here. And we're here in a different way. So if we had gone back, they had made better decisions in the past. We can't go backwards. The the real problem here was that You decided to tear it down, and then there was such lack of alignment in tearing it down that you couldn't keep those people around. You couldn't keep a cohesive vision around, so you end up passing off that vision to somebody else. And they passed it off to Dorsey. This is on Dorsey. So now what? So now, here we are. I don't think this is going to be Sashi and Hugh. I think there is going to be alignment. And if they get this right, this absolutely makes sense that this could work. Regardless of the past. Because the process was wrong before, the process has improved. They would not do Sashi and Hugh. They tried top-down, hire a GM, let him hire a coach. Now they're going to hire a coach and let him influence the GM. And a lot of this, and I'm not an expert on all this stuff, right? I did some research. They don't have to be friends now. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch in San Francisco were not great friends previous. But they, they, Kyle Shanahan 
had influence on who would you want to work with. Pete Carroll and John Schneider in Seattle didn't know each other previous to working together, but Pete Carroll had influence in the decision to hire John Schneider as the GM. They have worked together for a decade very successfully. So it doesn't have to be Josh McDaniel done his best friend from the Patriots, but it has to be two people who look at it and think about it the same way and know they're coming in on equal footing and know they're coming in with similar visions for how you win football games and how you become a winning football franchise. And as long as the vision is the same, they've never had that. They've never had it. They had it. I don't think – I asked Jimmy Haslam if they, he thought they had alignment with Dorsey and Kitchens. And he said, yeah, but not within the whole organization. So that's Paul D. Podesta. That's what he means. But they still – they were leaning. Dorsey won the battles, right? Dorsey got to do what he wanted to do. De Podesta might have disagreed, offered a differing opinion, but they had to let Dorsey make the make the final decisions, or that would have been worse. Then what are you even doing? Then you're the meddling owners who's not empowering your football guy. So now the idea of we're going to get a coach and a GM who who at least are open to Paul De Podesta's thinking. And you know what? If we get a coach and a GM that we really like and they're not open to Paul De Podesta's thinking, then maybe Paul De Podesta won't be around. But that's why I think this arrangement can work far better. Let's not the only I mean the comparison for this and I asked Jimmy to end the news conference why this structure again. I thought the structure was terrible before of coach and GM on the same level both reporting to ownership. But if you're not hiring two people who hate each other, then maybe it can work. So what they are going to do now, if they do it, and this is all ifs and buts and plans and hopes right now, but it is what they are looking for in the process, and they have control over this. They want to hire a coach who then has influence on a GM, and they will be on the same page. They can absolutely do that. It is within their power to do that. If they get off track on that, and fall in love with the coach, and then they say, well, we also like this GM candidate, and you guys are different, but I think then that's on them. Then we can all go crazy about how stupid they are. But the plan that they are espousing, A, makes sense, and B, hasn't been done by them here. It has not been done by them here. Dorsey and Kitchens was a, a step toward that, but that failure was on people, not process. I think this can work. And so if we're just going to sit and rail about past failures, everybody can see the record. Look at the record, whatever it is, 28-83-1, I think, since the Haslam's took over. That's your analysis? They stink! I mean, why? why? You guys know that. What's the freaking point of that? Yes! They've stunk! But here's where we are. And I don't think it's the same old, same old. And if they try this and it doesn't work, then we'll see how they approach the next process. But this applies to everything in life. Sometimes you can have a bad process and you luck out. They've had bad processes, bad processes and not lucked out. But if you have good processes, eventually you will get it right. So that's where I think we are. And I've gotten some response. I appreciate the people who have reached out. I've gotten uh, certainly more good response than bad response. Maybe it's because I mute. If you disagree with me at this point, this is my Twitter policy at this point. If you go out of your way to like uh, tweet at me and disagree with me, I just mute you because I, I'm Twitter is free. 
I'm not getting paid to have people tweet stuff that disagrees with me. So just know that if you disagree with me, you absolutely have the right to disagree with me. And I absolutely have the right to not listen to it. If you tweet at me and like you insult me or swear at me or tell me that I wrote a steaming pile or um, I'm an idiot, then I block you because then you don't need to hear. If you think I'm an idiot, you don't need to hear what I have to say. So here's, and I appreciate many of you in the responses of people who want the Browns to get it right. And I think, again, in being in this a little bit, to me, the idea of trying to have nuanced, informed discussions of why there might be hope is where I would like to live. And to me, it's not being naive. It's trying to examine the now and not get bogged down in the past. And I think there there are just too many people in Cleveland, in and out of the media, who let the past dictate everything they think about the future. And there are reasons for that, because... They people have been through this. Well, this time is going to be right, and this no, this time. Well, now we got it right. Well, no, no, no. This is the right. I get it. That's frustrating. I get it, and that's on the Haslam's, and that's on the the Lerner family before that. That's on the people who have had poor stewardship of this franchise. But it's not just what they say; it's when you look at what they say. Let's analyze the actual information inside their claims. And that's where I think there's some validity to this. But the idea that, that some people, the people who don't like where I am on this, think that I'm, I'm drinking the Haslam's Kool-Aid, just because you agree with what someone is saying doesn't mean they're drinking their Kool-Aid. Three years ago at the news conference, I asked Jimmy Haslam, if you figure out that ownership is the problem, what are you going to do? So the idea that like I'm drinking Haslam's Kool-Aid I've been as hard on them as anybody, but I'm also open to reality and I'm open to change. So if you want someone who's going to come up with silly nicknames and write the same thing about the Haslam's 400 times, it's out there, baby. Go find it. And then I got some stuff when I criticized John Dorsey, who I think was handed everything and did a poor job and was a little bit smug about it. People think it feels personal. Why is it personal? I think someone did a poor job. We're evaluating people on the jobs they do. And whatever the Haslam's have going on elsewhere, we have news people at Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer who can cover that. That's, uh, that's not the, my dance floor at the moment. I'm trying to look at this from a football standpoint. And I think from a football standpoint, if they get cohesion with a coach, who has influence on a general manager and they have the same idea and they work together and they're both qualified for the job, I think it could work. I repeated myself a little bit. Last thing, Freddie, I, I, I was in on Freddie, I think more than some people. I gave Freddie more benefit of the doubt than some people. Um, I think there's a world where it could have worked with Freddie. I mean, it's, it's, you can't, not to excuse it. I mean, he didn't. He didn't do a good uh, do a good job. I do. I do think he could do a better job later. Um, I think he probably did have too much to do with coaching and calling the plays. But also the idea now that the players want like a strong leader and a firm hand. Freddie Kitchens was not hired to be that. That's a mis- That's a mistake by John Dorsey on the type of coach. You can't ask Freddie Kitchens to come in and. 
if Freddie Kitchens had come in and laid the hammer down as a guy who'd been a coordinator for eight games, I mean, that never would have worked. So you, if you if this team, if these players now say, we need a stronger hand, Freddie could not have done that. That was not an option for him to do that. So they hired the wrong guy. If that's what they needed, they hired the wrong guy. And that's on Dorsey and that's on these players. Freddie was in like, hey, we have some egos here. We have some guys who we have some talent who looks like it's ready to win. Let's all do this together. I'll let guys kind of be themselves. And that didn't work. But that was the plan. And Freddie executed that plan. That's who he is. And I will say this. I know there's a report in The Athletic of Todd Munkin telling uh, coaches on other teams before games that it's a mess in Cleveland. And, um, you know, there have been the reports previously of, of players saying, come get me and that kind of thing. And, and to all that stuff, I will say, who are you? Who the frick is Todd Munkin? That this is a mess that Todd Munkin can't stomach? Todd Munkin, Oklahoma State passing game coordinator, LSU passing game coordinator, Jacksonville Jaguars wide receivers coach, Oklahoma State offensive coordinator, Southern Miss head coach, Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. You think it's a mess? Oh, Todd Munkin doesn't like... Shut up, Todd Munkin. Who the idea? All the nobody on this team has won squat. So for any Brown, the Browns collectively, as an organization, as an ownership group, have not won since they came back. But nobody individually, nobody on this team or coaching staff has done squat to complain about being a Cleveland Brown. Maybe you've had some individual accomplishments. You have never helped your team win. Nobody that matters on this roster has a playoff win. So the idea that this was something that these players and some of these coaches couldn't stomach is ridiculous. Who are you? So I don't know. Who said come get me and what it meant, whatever. I think there are guys who are here and do want to win. And I, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are at the top of that list. And I like guys with personality and I like guys with a little fire. But if anybody thinks they are too good for the Browns, there is not a single frickin' person on this roster or this coaching staff who is too good for the Cleveland Browns because you haven't won anything anywhere else and you sure as heck didn't help your team win anything here. The collection of talent made sense. The opportunity made sense. When it came together, it failed. That failure is on John Dorsey. It is on Freddie Kitchens and it is absolutely on these players in various ways. So, do I think they can win next year? Absolutely. I think I might be out of the prediction business. My predictions this year were a mess, an embarrassing mess. But could they run this back? Absolutely. Could Baker be better, get some better play calling, get OBJ more involved, get an offensive line that doesn't stink? Yeah. Have Miles Garrett stay on the field and not get suspended for six games? Yeah, for sure. There's absolute opportunity here. But as we look backward, it's everybody's at fault. 
as we look forward, every opportunity is there. But I absolutely understand why the Haslams decided that we had to make a change to take advantage of that opportunity. This is not the time for patience. These people did not get it done. It is not about talent acquisition only. It is about winning as a team. That didn't happen. There is opportunity here. So that's where I stand on this. I was as wrong as anybody. And if my whole job was predicting Browns records, I'd be fired. If my whole job was predicting Ohio State records, I'd be fired. And if they want to fire me anyway for whatever, I mean, like, you're responsible for your own actions. But I'm not sure there's anybody. And on the list, on the list of people for uh, who should be the, the, the list of 20 people for why this Browns season failed, why 2019 didn't go the way it should have gone, the Haslams are not very high on that list. In the past, the Haslams have been maybe number one on every list like that. They were not very high on this list for 2019. So I, I don't know that anybody would argue that. And if your main argument is that John Dorsey should have gotten another year, um, I think you are blindly football guying yourself into oblivion. And I think you fell for the sweatshirt. All right. I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast. We haven't done it for a while. I didn't have the time to keep up with it. Um, I would like to maybe reshape it, maybe make it Browns only, but we have another Browns podcast. Make sure you listen to our Orange and Brown talk uh, podcasts with Mary Kay and Ellis and Dan and Scott. Um, That's really good. They're doing the Browns all the time. Uh, Listen to our Buckeye Talk podcast uh, with me and and Stephen Means and Nathan Baird. but for now, I just wanted—I just wanted to get this out there because I, I don't know if I'm gonna—I don't know if I'm gonna do radio stuff. And so, if you think I'm nuts, I hope you turned it off two minutes in. Um, if you're tired of of uh, the other analysis, that is, uh, the Haslam should sell the team. I mean, I get it. I get the frustration. But fans um, should be frustrated. Um, should be angry, should be disappointed, um, but we in the media should be able to give you um, a little bit more of a, should be able to guide you a little bit more than only feeding the anger and the disappointment, because you can do that on your own. You don't need us to be angry and disappointed for you, and and you should be, all of that, and more, um, but hopefully... This was a little bit of some guideposts to f- let you know why why 2020 could be different. Not a guarantee. Jimmy Haslam himself said it's not a guarantee. But I think if you want to root for your Cleveland Browns in 2020, there's still reasons to do so. All right. Appreciate you guys listening. I'm Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. That was Takes by the Lake, and we'll talk to you next time.